Amen. There will be something always in my heart for the Kenai Peninsula and Kenai. But uh, other than that, uh, other than that, uh, Palmer holds a very, very special place in, in my heart. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> I left here August 3rd and uh, put a number of miles on my van, uh, traveled, drove all the way to Carlsbad, New Mexico, and up through Oklahoma, Indiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, amen, had a great time, but uh, it's good to be back here, and uh, <coughs> just the last few minutes, the way the service has turned, uh, uh, something in my heart has turned, so we'll, uh, we'll, no, we'll save that to another time. Um, <coughs> The first week of October, I preached for uh, Pastor Adam Lopez, who grew up in Anch Anchorage, who now pastors in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And uh, when uh, we were setting up the date and everything, I, I was talking to him, and uh, he said, he said, Brother Churchill, he said, I've got a friend who's a seasoned ticket holder. Uh, for the University of Tennessee. Now, you think people up here get excited about football. Friend, Knoxville, Tennessee, when Tennessee is playing home at Knoxville, it is crazy. Anyway, he said, my, my friend's going to be out of town, and he's given me four tickets. Would you like to go see... Tennessee play Georgia. Well, Tennessee is really having a down year. Georgia at the time was ranked number three in the country. And I, had, I said, yeah, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to do that. You know, I often thought what it'd be like to go to a big major, you know, college football game. And so we drove to Knoxville. And... It was just a traffic, oh my goodness. And we parked in a five-story garage. And as we're going up looking for a parking spot, every place in the corner, you know, where they couldn't get a car in, they were tailgating. I mean, they were partying. I thought, wow. We park, go down, step out, and how many know the colors of Tennessee? Orange and white. When we stepped out of that parking garage, it was a sea of orange. Everywhere. I mean, just, um, you know, as far as you could see. You know, and mixed in, here, you know, here and there was a Georgia Bulldog shirt or whatever. And I, I just stood there. You know, I kind of pictured in my mind, you know, what it would be like. Friend, it was just far, far beyond my imagination. And we had to walk about, I don't know, half a mile, three quarters of a mile to the stadium. 
And I mean, <laughs> I looked up in these sorority houses, and I said to Brother Lopez, now, they're drinking soda up there, aren't they? <laughs> and then we, we go into that stadium. The stadium seats 103,000 people. And we heard later as we were going home, that particular day, there were over 92,000 people gathered in that stadium. And the University of Tennessee, where the team comes out, they go over there and they make the form of a big T. And uh, when, when the volunteers came up from under the tunnel out, on, out onto the field, you could have heard a pin drop. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm telling you, when that team appeared at the mouth of the tunnel, that stadium literally was shaking. And I mean, it was just bedlam. I mean, we're sitting up, you know, in the nosebleed section. And when Georgia had the ball, and it, it'd be third down, you know, third and three or third and five, I'm telling you, the place went crazy. No, no way the Georgia quarterback and those players could hear what's going on. You know? And through the whole game, I mean through the whole game, it was just rocking and rocking and rocking. And I sat back and I looked and I said, well, you know, there's about 92,000 extroverts here. There's about 92,000, you know, that, you know, they just don't care, you know, and their, their nature is quiet, and, you know, and Friend, you can't convince me that there were a bunch of introverts in that crowd. And it just dawned on me once again. Just dawned on me once again. We got this, this country's got things so turned around. Time out. I don't want to disappoint the people that made the effort. But uh, that's great. You know, as I've told you, this can be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you better get a liking for it. Thank you. Whoever, Brother Playo, whoever. How many have ever heard of the Quakers? Uh, I think they go by, what name do they go by now mostly? Friends. Friends. 
the Quakers. Where'd that name come from? How'd they get that name Quakers? Yeah, back in the 1700s. When they would gather together, there wasn't signs up on the wall. You know, we're singing three hymns today, and we don't deviate from this. And No, they sang, and they sang, and they sang, and the presence of the Lord would come into their midst, and they would begin to shake and quake. And lift their voices and worship God. And again, Pastor, not throwing stones or pointing fingers. But I guarantee if you go into a, one of their services today, you're, you're not going to see any quaking and shaking and hands lifted and voices raised to the Lord. And not only them, you go back to mainstream, you know, religion, reformation. Those people, they didn't care. When they stepped inside the door, they were there for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that was to exalt and lift up the name of Jesus. So here we are, 2019, and we look as apostolics, we look on these, you know, different movements that came out of the Reformation and, you know, how they used to have church and to what it is today, and and we see this big discrepancy. I told you, my grandmother is a little girl in New Brunswick went to uh, Methodist camp meetings. And, and she told me, it's nothing I heard from, you know, no, she told me. She said, I watched as those people would run the aisles and worship and fall out under the Spirit of God. Ladies, they'd shake their hair down. And many of them, they carried out slain in the Spirit. And there are people here right now saying, slain in the spirit? What are you talking about? What, what's slain in the spirit? But she said, son, she said, I watch them carry them out or lead them out and put them in the back of their, their, their wagons. And they called it goose chattering. They, they really didn't know what it was, but what it was, they, they were speaking in other tongues. You see, friend, when you worship like that, you think inviting the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And his desire then is to pour out his Spirit. So the man after God's heart, what was his name? David, I know he's probably your pastor's favorite Old Testament character. 
Sunday school kids, grow up. Some of the first stories they hear is about David and Goliath. And when David becomes king, how long had Saul reigned? Forty years. Forty years. Saul, wasn't there anything in your heart that yearned for the presence of God? Now, what what was the representation of the presence of God to the children of Israel? It was the Ark of the Covenant. That was the most precious. The tabernacle that God gave to, to Moses, the most precious instrument in all of the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. How did the Ark of the Covenant move? It was carried. And the Levites. But before the Levites, the Levites just didn't go crashing into the most holy place. No, the priest went in. Am I, am I on now? Priest went in, they covered it, and then they moved it. And when they came to where the cloud or the pillar stopped, oh, all the tribes went about setting up their... No, 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 no. (laughs) The very first thing that was set up was the tabernacle. And it wasn't out there on the outskirts of the camp. It was right in the middle. They couldn't help when they got up in the morning and throughout the day... There it was, the center of everything. But in 40 years, this man that was head and shoulders above everybody in Israel, he didn't have time for the ark. He didn't have time for the presence of God. He was a gifted man, he was a warrior. But he didn't have time for God. Now David, when he becomes king, it wasn't 25 and 30 years into his reign, but right at the beginning, the man after God's heart. And the tabernacle is at Shiloh. And I'm sure he revered, had reverence for the brazen altar, for the labor of water, for the showbread, table of showbread, the candlestick, and the altar of incense. But the main thing in David's heart was, I I want the presence of God. I realize that if our nation is going to be the nation God wants it to be, the presence of God has got to be the very center of everything we do. Everything has to be centered around His presence and His touch. 
Oh, friends of God today, hallelujah. I am glad for this season. I really am. I enjoy it. But we get so distracted, Brother Plail, and we get our emotions here and things here. Oh, yeah, if we've got time, well, then, uh, you know, no, 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 friends. Uh, as it was thousands of years ago, so it has to be today. The very presence of God. If we don't have a move of the Spirit, hallelujah. If we don't have the touch of God in our services, let me tell you something. We're going to become just like the Methodists and just like the Quakers and just like the others. People say, oh, that couldn't happen to us. Friend, it could happen to us in a heartbeat. Amen. Where is our heart today? Amen. David said, as, as that heart panteth after the brook and the water, so panteth my heart and my soul after thee, O God. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God doesn't want your crumbs this, this season. He doesn't want the leftovers. He wants very first. Now I've got to come back and preach my message. <laughs> now, David made his mistakes. Remember the children of Israel went to battle the Philistines. And they got whooped. And they crawled back to camp, licking their wounds, thinking, man, what, what's going on? You know? And then somebody says, well, we didn't have the ark. We need to, we need to go get those two backslidden priests, Hophni and Phinehas. Devils. So we need to go get them and get that ark out here because it's our good luck charm. It's our rabbit's foot. That's all they were picturing it as. And if we get the ark here and we go into battle with the ark, oh, we're, we're guaranteed victory. Oh, if we get here and sing a few songs and, you know, if we get here and go through the motions, uh, amen, oh, it, everything's going to be okay. Hophni and Phinehas are slain in battle and the ark is taken by the Philistines. Nine months? You know, I think you know the story. They took it to the different cities in Philistia, and God plagued the people of that city until finally, you know, they said, no, 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 don't bring it to us. Well, what are we going to do with this ark? They didn't really realize what it was. They, they didn't cover it when they moved it. And they, they were ignorant. And God said that, yeah, okay. 
Maybe they looked at those rings on the side of the ark and thought, what's that for? What are they there for? And some of the wise men say, well, here's what you need to do. You need to build a brand new cart. You need to get two cows that have had calves. Pen up the calves in a pen. Point that new wagon with those cows towards Israel and see what happens. And sure enough, those cows go on their way. Their calves are bawling, but they don't turn aside. And they go straight to Israel. The Philistines follow and see what happens. And David said, the ark doesn't belong in Shiloh. It belongs in the capital city. It belongs in Jerusalem. So David says, let's go get the ark. Woo! Oh, I'm glad for a desire. <laughs> Amen. Don't remove the old landmarks. Let's get back to the old paths. Thank God for that. But hey, <laughs> the Philistines might move it on a cart, but that's not the intended way for the cart to be moved. <laughs> you know the story. They put it on a cart, they're rejoicing. The oxen stumble. Uzzah puts forth his hand to steady the ark, and God smites it. And your pastor preached one of the greatest messages I've heard some months ago. And David was afraid of God. I mean, God just clouded up and rained all over his parade. I appreciate the good intentions, David. <laughs> I appreciate the desire. Can I say there's a lot of good intentions out there, a lot of good desires? And God is glad for that, but no, no. <laughs> if it's going to be done, it's, it's going to have to be done my way. So David goes back for about three months. He studies. He does his homework. He thought, dear me, what did we do? We can't do it like the Philistines do it. We got to do it like God said it had to be done. And so they go back and they take the staves and they put them through the rings and the ark is then transported on the shoulders of where it's supposed to be. Amen. And when David gets it all in order, amen, when he gets it all the way God said it should be, 
Amen. There is rejoicing. Hallelujah. David takes his crown and lays it aside. David takes off his royal robe. And he said, when it comes to this thing of worship, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of the biggest country and the uh, biggest company in the country. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping out and mucking out stalls. Uh, amen. We all come to one place. Uh, amen. When it comes to this thing called worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no big eyes and little U's. Hallelujah. So David comes into Jerusalem leading the people in worship and praise. This man after God's heart, he wasn't just walking along very sedately. Friends, he was dancing, praise God. He was lifting his voice. He was giving it everything he had. Hallelujah. Friends, when we walk in these doors uh, on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, what, whatever, amen, it's time to give it everything we've got. Uh, amen. I said it's time to give it everything we got. If they can go into their football stadiums, uh, amen, if they can go to their games, uh, amen, and the rafters ring, uh, God, would God help us when we come into the house of God, uh, that we can't lift our voice unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Yes, glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I know. It's not all in the shout. It's not all in the demonstrative things we do. But friends, it's got a whole lot to do with it. Praise God. Amen. I like what you said, these little kids, hallelujah, amen, they don't care what the grown-ups think, they don't care what people are saying about them, they get an urge to run and they run, amen, oh God, let us become as little children, hallelujah, let us enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, did not take the ark back to Shiloh. He already had a place prepared. I said, he already had a place prepared in Jerusalem. Before he ever went to get the ark, he had a place prepared to bring the ark. And on special feast days and special times, David would think, oh, let's, let's go down to the ark. Let's go down to the presence of God and let's, uh, let's have church. No. Pastor can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. When you study it out. David 
before the ark ever got there. David had appointed singers. He had appointed instruments. He had set out times. David knew bodies wear out. <laughs> and the way they worship and what they did. Hey, friend. <laughs> Amen. It's not long till you, yeah, you're physically feeling that. So David had courses of people. But there was not one moment. How many have ever seen the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier? You talk about a moving experience. And you can go there, I don't care what time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, a year, 366 days on leap year, and there's that guard marching. Doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, sleeting, thunder, lightning. We were there in August one year, and they weren't in their shirt sleeves. No, they were in their full dress. And as that guy went by me, man, sweat was just dripping off his nose, off his chin. Not one time did he stop, say, wait a minute. No, just constant, constant. Right now, right now in Washington, D.C. And so David said, there's not going to be any break. Amen. When this team of worshipers starts walking off, there's another team to take their place. Amen. And it doesn't stop at sundown and start at sunrise. Around the clock. Is that right, Pastor? Around the clock. There were singers. They were worshipers. There were praisers around the box that was just a representation of the ark. And of course, there were the namesayers. The woman that should have been, or that was probably the most precious to David. You know, when they get the ark there and the activities are done, he sends them away with meat and drink and amen. And it's a joyous time. And David goes home, and the most precious person in his life just puts him down. Where was your crown? Where were your royal robes? No, you're out there dressed in a just little linen ephod, and nobody can pick you out from anybody else. That's right. Again, no big eyes, little U's. How many children did she have? He told her, he said, hey, God chose me. God chose me above your father. And I don't care what you say and I don't care what you think. You're not going to hinder me. You're not going to prevent me. 
amen, from worshiping my God with everything that's in me. Hallelujah. So, yes, we come with our testings and our trials uh, and our troubles. Hallelujah. But thank God we're big enough to put them aside. Amen. And while we're in here, I'm just going to worship God with everything that is in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to give it everything. Do you ever leave church tired? Do you ever leave church just feeling flat, worn out? Praise Jesus. I love you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I, I want to be a person after God's heart. I want to love the things he loves. We were talking about it in the office. Hallelujah. And if I love the things he loves, then I'm going to hate some things he hates. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, Pastor. I, I, I don't want to go where I used to go before. I don't want to say what I used to say before. I don't go there anymore. I found a better way. Hallelujah. I found a better way, brighter paths for my feet, my heart and soul complete. I found a better way. And since I found the church and I found a place to pray, there I found the Lord. I found a better way. And I'm excited about the better way. Hallelujah. I said I'm excited about it. Praise God. You can be seated. Oh, God. Hallelujah. And I know, I know. Good night. I've been in the ministry well over 50 years. I know every service isn't a woo, run in the aisle. There are times God moves in a very soft, tender way. It's just like the dew comes in and just saturates everything. But whether it's like that or whether it's shouting, friend, I'm going to respond somehow, some way. I may just sit there and weep and bawl my eyes out. Amen. But I'm going to be sensitive. Thank God for a pastor here a little bit ago that was sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, to what he said, ditto, double ditto. Amen. Young people, you know, if you can go to that wrestling match and get all hyped up and juiced up, if you can go to that football game and that basketball game and lift your voice and shout and wave your hands and stomp your feet, uh, amen. Don't let anything stop you when you walk in those doors. Hallelujah. Young people. Help lead. Help lead us into worship. Help lead us to the throne of grace. Oh, hallelujah. God is looking for young people, hallelujah, that love him with all their heart, hallelujah. And yeah, thank God for youth retreats and thank God for youth camps. Uh, thank God for youth congress every other year. 
<laughs> Can I step back to pastoring days? I know it doesn't happen here. But with all those thousands of people at Youth Congress, I think this last Youth Congress, there's like 35,000 people there. It was written up in the national news. Good, affirmative things said about it in the news. And, you know, security guards and people working at the hot dog stands, those young people were praying them through to the Holy Ghost. I said, did you hear me? While they're on the job, they got witnessing to them. Amen. Ended up laying their hands on them and watching them receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. In their hot dog uniform or whatever. Amen. I'm glad for that. But all young people, when you come back for the first service and enter those doors, there may not be 34,000 people. But where two or three are gathered together uh, in his name, uh, he has promised to be there in the midst. Uh, hey, shame on you uh, if you can't come to a service uh, where there might be 10 or 15 or 20 people uh, and you can't lift your voice. Woo! Hallelujah. When I get done here, and I begin to unwind, I guarantee you my undershirt is wet. Not because somebody poured water on me. Perspiration. And, you know, to bring perspiration, you exert yourself. Oh, God, help me that when I'm not preaching and I'm just sitting, hallelujah, God, let there be perspiration, hallelujah. Oh, God, I want you to know that I put forth my very, and he who knows the heart, hallelujah, amen, he who sees into the innermost being, amen. Oh, you can go through the motions and walk out that door and God's standing there shaking his head, uh-uh. There's a people that draw nigh unto me with their lips, but their heart is far, far from me. Amen. Is your heart on the football game this afternoon or whatever? No, friend, when we're here, my heart is fixed on thee, O oh God. And nothing else matters but this time that I have with you. My youth leader, when I was growing up in Connecticut, his name was Dave Catinia. And uh, his parents were from the Ukraine. He grew up in Brooklyn. Went away to Bible school. Married a beautiful girl, Dorothy Hall. Came back to the East Coast. <coughs> And uh, I'd get aggravated with him sometimes. 
we'd sit down to eat, and he always drank a, a cup of hot tea. And I'd be sitting there, and he'd stir that tea, he'd stir it and stir it. And he'd be looking off talking to somebody and take that spoon and put it on my hand. I said, all right. That won't happen again. Some time would go by, you know, and we'd be at a restaurant doing something. He's talking to somebody and stirring that tea, and I happened to be sitting there. Last time it was my left hand. This time it was my right hand. What a tremendous man of God. Oh, we had fun. We laughed. After the counselors and campers softball game, I had the privilege of throwing them in the pond. But oh, the altar services. But I'd be there, and I'd feel a big hand on my shoulder, and I'd look up, and there's Dave Catania, tears streaming down his cheeks, praying for me, admonishing me. Moved to Van Wert, Ohio, a pastor of Great Church. Was at a church service. They had asked him to speak, be one of the speakers. <clears throat> he spoke and he got done, walked down, sat down next to his wife. And she told me later, she said, I just heard this beat deep. <sighs> and his head flopped over in my his head flopped over on my shoulders. And he was gone. He was gone. Later on, I thought, wow, what a way to go. Right after preaching your heart out, hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to question God. God, why didn't you wait till you was home or what? Amen. Friend, we don't know. Amen. I'm coming to a close, but th this could be some, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but this could be somebody's last service. We don't know. We could be reading your obituary in a couple days. You could be reading my obituary. Amen. And how many times? Yeah, I know. We leave the house of God, and we get thinking back of the move of God. And, you know, I really could have gotten in there, and I really could have exerted myself, and I really could have, oh, I was blessed by being in church, but, oh, I could have received a greater blessing than I received if I'd have just put forth myself a little bit more. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God sees it all. God sees it all. And the man that's after God's heart. I think number one, above everything else, he was a worshiper. You know, we live in a medical time that, you know, you just don't go to a general practitioner if you're having heart problems. Amen. We have specialized medicine and we go, you know, to the heart doctor, to the lung doctor, or, you know, whatever. 
They're specialists. Well, friends, David was a specialist in praise and worship. You cannot read the book of Psalms. And I, I was telling your pastor, I said, what I so appreciate is that, you know, when we read the Psalms, David's not always up here. Amen. We see him up there, but then the next, next Psalm, we see him and he's down in the valley. He's having feelings just like you have. <laughs> he has a, God, have you forsaken me, God? How long is this going to go on? Hallelujah. Amen. But through it all, through it all, he kept his faith and trust in God. Amen. You may walk out into the deepest, darkest valley you've ever faced, uh, but I'm telling you, he's there with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I will fear no evil. <laughs> Why? For thou art with me. Hallelujah. Would you stand today? Could somebody lift their hands today and without even coming up here, right where you're standing? Could you lift your voice unto the Lord? Could you exert something in worship unto your God today?